the Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. Well, they may be nowhere near first place, but it doesn't mean that there aren't things to talk about with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Welcome back to the Ain't No Fang podcast. Steve Zinsmeister, Cody Fincher with me as well. Uh, I'm going to start, Bear, with an interesting tweet that I was reading just yesterday, and then you can share your insights into this. Reading from Bally Sports' Jody Jackson, her Twitter account, Tori Lovello just announced that Madison Bumgarner will be skipped this time through the rotation. He'll be working with Brent Strom to tweak some things and will return during the Phillies series. So, I guess the question that comes from that is, what the hell is going on with Madison Bumgarner and why are we skipping his turn in the rotation? Um, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's weird that you're in... August, almost September now, and your um, your veteran pitcher on that staff, who I mean, Madison Bumgarner's, you know, he's not new to this, and he's making tweaks to his pitching in September. It, it, you know, it's kind of weird. He's been he's been pretty bad um, for a while now. Let me I'm gonna pull up some of his stats, but I mean, yeah, Jody Jackson reported that yesterday. Um, it's not like exclude like Tori Lavella was speaking to the media when he said that. Um, because Chris Gargiola, the D, one of the D-backs radio play-by-play guys, um, he added that Tori said that it's performance-based. Um, so, And I believe it. I mean, <laughs> in his last seven games, listen to this. In his last seven games, Madison Bumgarner, he's 1-5, a 6.48 ERA, a 1.61 whip, he 31 strikeouts, 14 walks, 53 hits in 41 and two thirds innings in his last seven games. Yeah, it's it, it's something's not working here. <laughs> Some something's not working. I mean, I mean, Bumgarner, I feel like was off to a decent start. He wasn't getting into deep into games uh, because, you know, he doesn't have the swing and miss stuff anymore. And, you know, his um early on in games he was throwing too many pitches so he wasn't going deep but like the era was manageable it was under four but now it's ballooned to 4.53 uh he's six and 13 steve he says 13 losses on the year he's a 1.43 whip something's not working um i don't know what it is i don't know what they'll tweak um recently i noticed he switched uh sides uh, of the rubber that he stands on, on the mound. He used to pitch from the first base side of the rubber, and now he's on the, the third base side of the rubber. I don't know if maybe they go back to the first base side. I don't know. Um, I doubt, I doubt they're going to make a lot of changes to his delivery or whatnot, but maybe, I don't know. Maybe they do. <laughs> Who knows? But it's just weird that you're at this point in the season. It's August today. What, what is, what is today? The 25th. Today, is the oh, yeah, August 25th, Thursday, August 25th. And you, you're you, the pitcher with the most experience and the, the highest pedigree, probably, I guess you would say, on your rotation is making tweaks. It's just weird to me. Well, that's something that you don't see from that guy. That's something that you might see from, like, we've seen that with Luke Weaver before, I think, where they've skipped opportunities in the rotation because he just needed to figure some stuff out. Or an unestablished, like, young pitcher. You might skip Corbin Martin. You might skip Tyler Gilbert. You might skip, even even a guy like Merrill Kelly, who, 
yeah, he's a, over 30, but he's not exactly been in the league a long, long time and certainly mm-hmm. hasn't been a World Series champ like Madison Bumgarner. Like, you're right. This isn't something that happens with guys like Mad Bum. This is something that happens with rookies or guys who are still trying to pave their path in the major leagues. And for that reason, it worries me a little bit. Now, it's not like we didn't know that Madison Baumgartner was struggling. It's not like we didn't know that something was off. Now I'm just left wondering, what is it? And what is that small tweak that Brent Strom is going to help him try to try to resolve this issue? And how, what does it look like on the field? Because while Madison Baumgartner has been pretty bad for the last month or so, he was actually pretty good in the first half of the season. I, maybe good's the wrong word. He's been solid. I wouldn't say that it's been a like a bad all around bad year for Madison Bumgarner. It's just recency bias. It's looked pretty ugly. So I'm hoping he figures it out, especially because I don't know what his long term projection is with the Diamondbacks. Obviously, he's under contract for a few more years and he's one of the highest paid players on the team. In fact, he is the highest paid player on the team by a long shot in the next couple of seasons. million dollars. Next yeah. Year. You got to figure it out with Madison Bumgarner. You can't just let him fade to black and and pay him out like you did with Yasmani Tomas. It's just not the same thing. Yeah, the one thing I, I I don't think we'll see happen. I don't think we'll we'll see you know Tori Lovello make the decision that Madison Bumgarner is now shifting to the bullpen or whatever. He's no. going to be a starting pitcher. That's they're not going to do that to him. Um, it, honestly, I'm surprised that. He, that Tori even said it this way, that it was per- that the skip in the rotation was performance based and all that stuff that because Tori has usually been, you know, he, he's, you know, I, I don't know what the right word is, but like lo- he's pre- pretty loyal to his guys and not saying those types of things. And even if it was the case, but, and we really haven't heard much about this with mad bun specifically either since he's been here. Um, you know, he's, you know, been the opening day starter a couple times and all that nonsense. So, but it's kind of surprising that Tori came out and s- said it that way. It's, it's performance based. And I mean, it's hard to argue, I guess, Madison Bumgarner after his last start told the media that he's the weak link right now in the rotation. Um, <laughs> that's not good to hear. <laughs> no, but at least that's it's honest. Good. I mean, sure. He could have gone out there and been like, I'm totally fine, and the team yeah. really isn't picking it up when I'm on the mound. I mean, th- he wouldn't do that, but I'm just saying, like, that's what somebody could have said. Instead, he took ownership and accountability for his own actions and his own performance or lack thereof. Sure. But, you know, especially, but if you want to, there's no argument to be made for Mad Bum with Tori skipping in the rotation. If they're you're like, hey, you just said you're the weak link. What do you want me to do? You know, but it, it's crazy that he he's that guy when you have, you know, you have a rookie in your rotation and Tommy Henry right now, who's pitching pretty well. And then you have Zach Davies who, I mean, he's not been horrible. He's been, he's been like, like you said, he's been serviceable. Um, His ERA is under four right now. So that's pretty good. Um, But I mean, he doesn't really do it for me. I'd like to see other guys probably get some starts in that rotation as of right now where we're at in the season. But I mean, yeah, Mad Bum, it's just, it's not been good, man. I mean, his last seven starts is 6.4 ADRA. Like something's not right. He's getting hit around. Um, he, 30 earned runs in his last 41 and two thirds innings pitched. Yikes. 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 So I, I don't know what, I don't have no idea what the tweak tweaks will be that Brent Strom is going to make with Bumgarner, but hopefully it works. 
Yeah, and as an organization, you're kind of at this crossroads right now where so many young players are coming up, especially in the positions uh, on the field. Like, you've got so many young outfielders, you've got a couple of really young infielders, and now it's the pitching is the next question because you're going to have, I mean, I, I hate to beat the prospect drum every week. I'm sure people are tired of it, but Brandon Fought looks incredibly good in the minors. Blake Walston has had some really good starts lately. Slade Ciccone, Bryce Jarvis. Uh, you've got a bunch of dudes who are in the upper minors who at some point are going to get opportunities. Plus, you still have guys who are kind of tweeners like Corbin Martin, mm-hmm. um, who still deserves opportunities. Dre Jameson is coming along. So at, you're at this crossroads where the team, the young guys are starting to come up and perform. So you have to look at your veterans and say, OK, they're here and they're playing well. Where are you at? And if you're not bringing at least veteran level performance, then you're not a part of the long term future. I mean, look at the decision that they had to make at the trade deadline with David Peralta. It's not that David Peralta was bad or that he was detracting from anything. It's just they had younger guys who were going to contribute more than David Peralta. And they had to look at their longest tenured player and say, you know what? That doesn't really carry as much value for us anymore as it does with these young guys. And I'm not saying Madison Bumgarner is going to be supplanted by Dre Jameson or Blake Walston or somebody. One of them is going to outplay him and work their way into the rotation. But when there's a bunch of young uh, youth injected into your team, you need to look at your veteran leadership, especially a guy you're paying $23 million a year to, and say, hey, where are you at right now? Why, why is your ERA in the sevens in the last five starts? That doesn't make sense. And if you're not bringing it to the ballpark, I don't know what your long-term future looks like. Yeah, I mean, they have, what, two years left on Baumgartner's contract. He, I think he's $23 million next year, and then I think $14 million after that. I mean... It actually goes kinda, down? Yeah, I believe Interesting. so. so I he's mean, got such good. a weird pay structure. I, it was because remember how it started. It was like his first year was he was only making seven million. Remember that? So I think it was like six, it, but yeah, it was because they were trying, they were trying to, to load win. up and and yeah. and win that year. And I mean, COVID happened and it screwed everything up. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess it, that's good news for the D back. Like you're gonna have you you have to bring him back next year. You have to figure it out next year, um, this year and next year because I mean, twenty three million dollars. You can't just eat that. Um, I mean, this isn't the Angels with Justin Upton. You know what I mean? Like, where they just, you know what? Screw it. We're cutting you. We'll just eat all your money because the Angels make really bad decisions all the time. Speaking of that, they might be selling their team soon. So, (laughs) yeah. Uh, But, I mean, next year, I mean, you kind of have to ride with Mad Bum and hopefully he figures it out and pitches well next year. Um, Is he the the third guy in the rotation now? Uh, yeah, he is. Because I think and, of Zach Gallon as the most talented. Merrill Kelly has outperformed Madison Bumgarner over the last couple of seasons. Zach Gallon is on a 27 and a third scoreless streak right now. <laughs> um, he's been outstanding. By the way, it, last night was just was so depressing. He leaves with a one nothing lead in the sixth inning. Uh, gets through six shutout innings and then the bullpen completely blows. It gives up five runs in the seventh inning. Um but yeah, Merrill Kelly has been solid. Like he's been super dependable. He's been great this year. Um, yeah. So Mad Bum's probably your three. And honestly, if, if they're trying to win games next year, like maybe try to get into a playoff spot. I don't think Madison Bumgarner can even be your three. I think he needs to be your four. 
And that's sad to say for a guy who's making $23 million next year, and you're, it will probably be your highest paid player, barring any unforeseen free agent signings or whatnot. He'll, he's going to be your highest paid player, and he's going to be you know, the ideal situation, at least in my opinion, is that he's your fourth starter. That's that's That just shows the mismanagement of the money that was there when they signed him. But um, yeah, I mean, Tommy Henry, I think Tommy Henry has a shot to be in this rotation next year, too, uh, if he keeps pitching the way he's been pitching. Um, he's only had one really bad start, and it was his first start in the majors because he was, you know, you could tell he was pretty nervous and whatnot. But um, he's been solid since then. Uh, he faced a good Cardinals lineup uh, this past weekend, and he pitched pretty well. Um, didn't get the win, but he he struck out a lot of guys, and you know he didn't give up a lot, a ton of runs, so he he was pretty good. Um, and I don't know what the future is of Zach Davies here. I tend to believe he won't be back next year, but if they need someone to fill the fifth spot in the rotation, they might bring him back. He'd probably be a cheap option at this point. And it depends on really like who, who else is out there that they might bring in or what young guys might make that leap, maybe in spring training or something. But for me, if they're trying to win games next year, I don't think Madison Bumgarner can be in your top top three in your rotation. I just, if he's the four, I think that's a little bit better, but they need to, he needs to pitch well, no matter where he is in the rotation next year, if they want to make any sort of playoff run, because I mean, he's going to be dependent on um, no matter what. And for $23 million, he's just not, you can't, you can't put him in the bullpen. I mean, it sucks to say like the whole reasoning is that, Hey, he makes money. So he needs to be in the rotation, you know, but that's kind of what it is. He's, he's Madison Bumgarner still the name value still there. The, he makes, he makes the most money on your team. I don't think you can just have him in the bullpen and you certainly can't have him in the minor leagues. Um, so he's going to have to figure it out and he's going to have to pitch well next year. And in 2024, I mean, if he doesn't pitch well in 2023, maybe that's where you they start having the conversations of just releasing him and eating the 14 million dollars. Because I don't think any if he pitches bad next year, I don't think anyone's going to trade for him with 14 million dollars unless they get like nothing back, like kind of you know maybe one player or some cash or something. I don't know, but I mean. That's where if he pitches bad in 2023, in 2024, that's when you start. They start having the conversations of maybe they should just, you know, cut bait. If those conversations haven't started already, maybe, quite frankly, I mean, we just got past a trade deadline. I don't know what those discussions might have been. Let me read a headline to you. This was a press release from the Diamondbacks that I got in my inbox yesterday. It starts off as. D-backs announce exciting 2023 schedule. Uh, not so sure they're excited about the first month of this oh, schedule. Boy. Yeah, that's April again. Again, April is tough for the Diamondbacks. I mean, they they start off the year with a four game a four game series in L.A. to play the Dodgers, a two game series in San Diego to play the Padres and then they play the Dodgers at home again for oh. four games. <laughs> and then I mean and then they play the Brewers who are no pushovers. The Brew the Brewers are, t- are a talented team. Right. Then they go to Miami to play the Marlins for 3. Then they go to St. Louis to play the Cardinals who are good. <laughs> and then after they come home from St. Louis they're playing the Padres for four games. 
And they finish out April with three against the Royals and three against the Rockies. Yeah, I mean, realistically, in April, there's only three series where you say like, okay, the Diamondbacks will probably have a chance to win that series. That's Miami, Kansas City and Colorado. But none of I mean, they're all kind of either middle or back of the month of April. I mean, you there's a good chance. I'm not gonna say good chance. There's a chance that the Diamondbacks fall pretty far out of contention in the first two weeks of the season. And that's really sad to say now. That could completely go the other way. They could win three out of four against the Dodgers, then then take another two or three in the next series yeah. against the Dodgers. I mean, who knows? It's all on paper, right? But looking at that mm-hmm. first month, that is pretty brutal. I mean, I'm looking at the month of May. Texas, Washington, Miami. Tell me you're afraid of any of those teams. I'm not. Not at all. Uh, nope. Oakland, Oakland, Pittsburgh, Colorado. They're all in that month of May. That's a good, I mean, good month. Even... even- even Boston right now, Boston's a last place team this year. I mean, yeah. it, you can't tell what they're going to be next year. They might start off super hot. Who knows? But I mean, I'm not afraid of the Red Sox <laughs> right now. Um, certainly, I mean, the Phillies. Yeah, the Phillies are pretty good, I guess. Um, but I mean, yeah, May is much better than April for sure. I mean. Last place team, last place team, last place team right now. And sometimes what you need to look at, too, is the end of the schedule. Because, I mean, if this is going to be a team that's contending for one of those wild card spots, then let's look at September. In September, you have Baltimore, which I normally would say is pretty good matchup for the Diamondbacks. But they might be good. good. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore, Colorado, Chicago Cubs. I like those two series. New York Mets. Uh, Back to the Cubs again. San Francisco, San Francisco, New York Yankees, don't love that. Chicago yeah. White Sox, don't really love that, although there's a lot of question marks about them. And then Houston to end the year. That's a tough month, too. Yeah, I mean, the two New York teams, uh, the Mets and the Yankees, I mean, those are two, and they're both on the road. Ugh, both on um, the road. They're also not back-to-back, so they're not just in New York for a week. They go to the Mets for four games, uh, September 11th through the uh, 14th. 14th, and then they come home for for four, uh, for five games, and then they have to go back to New York to play the Yankees for three games on the twenty on the twenty second. It's like that's, that's a lot of traveling, uh, you know, West Coast to East Coast. There, it's a lot of playing time, but. Yeah, that month is going to be difficult, um, especially if Baltimore keeps up what they're doing this year. Um, they might be a good team. And, I mean, you have to finish the year with Houston. Houston's always good, no matter what they do. Right. I mean, no matter who they lose. I mean, I mean, Justin Verlander is one of the best pitchers in the major leagues right now. I mean, And their offense is always pretty good. I mean, with Kyle Tucker, Bregman, Altuve still hitting, so... That's always going to be a tough match. I just there. read today something about, I think it was Framber Valdez. I was looking him up yesterday. I was like, oh, how are the Astros pitchers doing? And it's like, oh my God, they are crazy. Not only is Justin Verlander having perhaps the best season of his entire career at age like 40 or whatever, uh, Framber Valdez has 21 straight quality starts. Really? 21 straight. Wow. Is that not insane? That's cr- that's okay. Sorry, twenty straight, twenty-one, twenty-one straight quality starts. That's impressive. MLB that's... Network tweeted that out three hours ago, so I'm I'm quoting them on it. Framber Valdez, twenty-one straight quality starts. Wow, 
I mean, and, and I mean, Luis Garcia is, you know, it's funny about him is he's the one that's been struggling lately and he's probably their best, the most talented pitcher, I'd say. And Christian um, Javier's really good. Yeah. And he was in the bullpen to start this year. They're, they they're nuts. The they're nuts. Also, dude. what's his name? Uh, Jose Urquidy. He's been pretty dang good recently, too. He's got a 3.63 ERA. He's 12 and four. He's won 12 games. Framber Valdez last night, by the way, seven innings, two hits, one run, eight strikeouts. He's crazy. This Houston team, what's hilarious to me is like, we remember their championship run, right? Like there's Garrett Coles on the team. Charlie Morton's really good. Verlander's still there. Uh, They lost Cole. They lost Morton. They lost Granke. Like, you lose those three guys, any organization would be devastated. Nope. Not the Astros. They I mean, just found new guys. Garcia, Javier, Valdez, and Urquidy are all homegrown guys, That's along crazy. with Verlander. That's insane. So, like, they they know how to develop talent, man. I'll tell you that. Uh, all pretty much, you know, all those guys. Uh, we'll t- we, you can talk about 2017 all you want with the trash cans and the cheating, but sure. I mean, all of their guys are homegrown. Bregman, it's been Correa, five years now, by Bob the way. Uve, I'm not yeah. saying we should stop talking about it, but because we've learned a lot in the last year or two about what happened way back when. Um, right. I'm not saying it doesn't matter or we should stop talking about it, but it's been five years. So, like, there's a <laughs> lot of guys in that organization now who, like, you can't blame them for that. You can't blame Altuve is Framber still getting, Valdez. Altuve is still getting booed out of the building yeah. every time. So they, they, they're playing in a, a road stadium. And knowing what we know, he probably should. Him, Bregman, but other than that, like most of those guys are different. I mean, I don't think Kyle yeah. Tucker was up at that time, or if he was, he wasn't playing much. Jordan I mean, Alvarez, Gur- same Gurriel thing. is still there, but I mean, if I remember right, Gurriel, Gurriel has not been very good though. No, he, he won the batting title last year, and he's been horrible this year. Yeah, very interesting. Um, the last thing I wanted to bring up today. I know we've been hammering home some prospect news. This is one you need to know. Jordan Lawler was the first round pick for the Diamondbacks last year. Uh, He was picked, I think, fifth or sixth, somewhere in that range. Something like that. But he was widely considered the best prospect in the draft. And we've talked about it a lot, you know, that the best player doesn't always go number one in baseball drafts. But the Diamondbacks landed Jordan Lawler, shortstop, super athletic, very big. He's got pop. He's got a lot of good things going for him. Uh, He missed... All, pretty much all of last year with a shoulder injury, much like most of their prospects do. Um, and <laughs> right crazy to think, here. crazy to think that he was drafted last year. He's only about a year and a couple months into his career, and he just got promoted to Double A. So, I, if you want to follow the timeline that they used with Corbin Carroll, who might be up in the majors, reportedly will be up in the majors in September at the at the yeah. latest. Jordan Lawler might be a call up at the end of next season. That's possible, right? If you're following Corbin Carroll's timeline, then I think so. I think you're right. And that would be super exciting because, I mean, there's been a couple instances with Jordan Lawler, like you mentioned, the shoulder surgery. And then he had that thing in his ribs that uh, was it a, a blood clot or I can't remember what it was. Um do you remember what it was with his ribs earlier? No, I, I was trying to remember that myself, and I'll, I'll look it I, up. I, yeah, I can't remember what exactly the injury was, but he's back now. I mean, he and he, I mean, listen to these stats. I know, I know it's single A mostly. He's only been in double A for a couple days now, but listen to these stats this year, Steve. He's hitting 329, 
12 homers, 51 RBIs, 37 stolen bases. Ooh. <laughs> a, a nine, a nine, seven, three OPS. He is kicking the crap out of the ball, man. Who's the major league comp to Jordan Lawler? Ooh, like who's a really good base stealer, solid defender. Maybe you're gonna make me say it. Fifteen to twenty homers a year. You're gonna make me say it. Oh no, I think I know what you're gonna say. I mean, if you're looking at these numbers right here, yeah, based on a major league comp, Trey Turner. Oh, okay. What That's not the name I was. I, was I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say Dansby Swanson, somebody who oh, was a number one pick for the Diamondbacks a, and got that's traded. Not bad, but I don't know if Dansby Swanson is the big base stealer. No, I don't he doesn't know have that. that. No, but I was. I'm, I mean, I'm looking at these stolen, 37 stolen bases in 2022 in the minor leagues. 329, 12 homers, 51 RBIs. I mean, to me, I mean, if <laughs> that's Trey Turner to me, I mean, he does. Trey Turner doesn't hit 30 30 home runs a year. He hits like like you said, 15 to 20. Um, he's got, uh, I think he has a lot more RBIs this year because he's on the Dodgers and everyone on that team is good and always on base. True. Uh, but he's hitting for a ridiculous average. He's got a good amount of RBIs and the stolen bases, man, 37 for Jordan Lawler. He'd have more if he didn't miss time with the ribs. By the way, it was a uh, bone growth, bone growth. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, he, let's look and see how, what he's done so far in, in, He's only been up for a few days. Amarillo. Right? He's been up for two games in Amarillo. I know he's got a couple he hits is, though, because I've seen the highlights. He's, <laughs> he's three for nine. He's three for nine. It's insane. Uh, let's see here. He's so good. He's so three good. Three for nine. I mean, he's got um a walk. He struck out twice. He hasn't really done much other. He's only played two games. He doesn't have any homers or so RBIs just yet. But. The Corbin Carroll timeline this year. Because he was in a similar situation, right? He got drafted yeah. maybe even the year before, or was it 2019? I think it was 19. Um, and Corbin Carroll missed all of 2020 because of the COVID thing. And then he misses a season due to the shoulder injury. From He literally hurt his shoulder hitting a home run. Right. <laughs> Imagine that. And now he's come back, and he is now widely considered a top three prospect. I think MLB Pipeline has him at number three in all of the major leagues. He's the Most top. other places have him as the top prospect, right. too. He's the top outfield prospect in all of baseball. Because I think the other two consensus top two guys are uh, Francisco Alvarez, who's a catcher in the Mets system, yeah. and then yep. Grayson Rodriguez and Gunnar Henderson for the Orioles, and they're a pitcher and an infielder, respectively. But Jordan, uh, Jordan Lawler might work his way into that Gunnar Henderson category, where he is widely considered the best shortstop in the minor leagues. And if they follow the Corbin Carroll blueprint, you spend half of next season in A, and then you spend... Uh, third or a little less than half of the season in triple a and then mm-hmm. you're potentially a september call-up at the end of next season and i'm getting tired of nick ahmed and this is nothing against <laughs> nick ahmed it's just the best ability is availability and he's not available anymore it's just yeah. he just hasn't been available it's not his fault it's just sure. that's the way it is you're paying him 10 million i think or 12 million next season something like that mm. Um, and then Geraldo Perdomo, who you know I've been a fan of since he was in the minors, he's not the offensive player that Jordan Lawler is. He's a pretty good defender at shortstop, which is a key position, but Jordan Lawler can make up that defensive uh, the defensive metrics while also being a top-level performer offensively. Yeah, I, I'm looking at Pipeline's rankings right now, and you're right, Alvarez from the Mets, the catcher, 
is number one. Gunnar Henderson is actually two. Right. Short stop third base for the Orioles. Corbin Carroll's right there at, at three. And if you scroll down just a little bit more at 12 and 13, guess who's 12? Jordan Lawler. No. Oh. Drew Jones. Oh, the current number one pick. Yes. And then 13, Jordan Lawler. So Jordan Lawler can, is is right. He's right there, man. Um, right. I mean, just looking at, I love looking at the ETAs of these guys. Don't look at I the mean, ETAs. Those I aren't looking right. at it. <laughs> they Pipeline has Jordan Lawler's ETAs 2024. Um, I mean, that's, yeah. I think that's fair. That's realistic. Sooner. It could happen sooner than that if they're following Corbin Carroll's timeline with him. And if he stays healthy and continues to produce here, here's what you'll like. (laughs) I know you don't like these ETAs, but you're going to like this. Brandon fought and Blake Walston ETA 2023. Yeah. And they should. Brandon fought has been phenomenal. I think he just recently got called up to triple a. I don't think he's made too many starts there yet, but he's been really, really good. And that's a hitters league. So yeah. you know that you're, I mean, like most guys, they go to the PCL and they play, you know, like, eh, their ERA is like four and a half. And most teams just have to look at that and go, well, it is the PCL. Let's see what he does <laughs> against major league pitch or yeah. major league hitting. Uh, Brandon fought has been amazing. And I've really come around on him this season. He's maybe my favorite minor league pitcher that the uh, Diamondbacks have. And that's certainly changed and fluctuated over the last year or so. But I think he's my solid number one, like my favorite minor league pitcher they have. What's funny about Fod? I'm looking at his stats right now. He, I mean, it's it, he's he's pitched way more this year in Double A, so there's a, a bigger sample size. He has 19 starts in Double A for Amarillo. He has a 4.53 ERA there, but he started four games in in, in Reno. He's a 1.73 ERA just in saying. 26 innings. I mean, he and listen to this: 26 strikeouts in 26 innings, only seven walks. Hundred in double A this year, hundred and forty four strikeouts and hundred and five and a third innings pitched, nineteen walks. Yeah, that's crazy. The whip is the whip is very nice. The whip is very nice. Very nice. Just, um, there's so, a lot yeah. of guys coming. There's a there lot are. of. I know that a lot of Diamondbacks fans are like, okay, yeah, but like prospects. I mean, I don't watch minor league baseball. Uh, I don't <laughs> follow the prospects. I follow the major league team, and even then, I follow them casually. And all I'm trying to say is this team is not far away. This is not uh, we're closer to what Baltimore's got going on right now. We're like right behind that. Like Baltimore has called up a bunch of those dudes in the last two seasons. You know, like Cedric Mullins becomes one of the top center fielders in the game. He just signed on to play for Team USA. Nobody knew who he was a year and a half ago. Right. He didn't know who he was. He was hitting. uh, He was a switch hitter. And then he was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just hit left handed. He pulled a Tristan Thompson and was like, yeah, maybe I'll just pick a hand to shoot with. And all of a sudden, (laughs) all of a sudden, he's a center fielder on Team USA, which is a big deal, in my opinion. And so the Diamondbacks are starting to see that, too. You you call up Varsho. That was kind of the first one in 2020. Then you call up a bunch of other dudes and Corbin Carroll's on his way. Alec Thomas is a huge piece. Uh, to some degree, Josh Rojas fitting into a, into a role is a big part of that. Geraldo Perdomo is a part of it. You're going to start seeing pitchers like Tommy Henry who are a part of it. So I think the Lawler news that he's in double A right now, I think that's really good news for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, hopefully he's he's able to stay there because if he has to go back down to single A for whatever reason, I that would probably, you know, uh, deter what we want as our timeline, the Corbin Carroll timeline. I don't think he's going to go back down. No, Um, I think he's going to be fine. 
Um, but yeah, it's going to be exciting, man. Um, I honestly, when these guys come up and if they play well in the major leagues, I mean, your lineup's almost set there. The only thing that is kind of having question marks right now is the pitching staff, especially the bullpen. If this team's going to spend any money next year, I think it needs to be on pitching. It needs to be another starting pitcher. Maybe that you can slide mad bum down to that fourth spot and have gallon and Kelly in your top three, maybe with another guy in your top three. And then they need bullpen help, man, because I mean, shockingly, the two 40-year-old additions to the bullpen has not worked out very well. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and it's not all their fault. The other guys outside of Mantiply have not been great either. I mean, Mantiply last night gave up the game, so what do I know? But, I mean, Mantiply's been good. He's your all-star this year. I mean, but no, I'm not really enamored with Noe Ramirez or, you know, uh, I can't even name hardly any people. In there. They, they move people around so much. Edwin Uceta, Luis Frias. Certainly not enamored with Caleb Smith when he's there. Kevin so, Ginkle. Kevin Ginkle. I mean, Ginkle throws hard, but I mean, sometimes it just he gets hit. You know, he gets hit hard. Throw hard, so, hit hard. Yeah. Yeah. So they need to spend some money on pitching next year, I think. I, I'm hoping that when we next do a podcast, let's say a week from now or in the next couple of weeks, I hope that we're talking about a Corbin Carroll call up. That'd be nice. I think that that's so nice. I think that would be a nice little cherry on top for this season. I mean, next, next, hey, a week from today is September 1st. Just saying. Just saying. Here we go. Throwing around the conspiracy theories. No, it's been reported. He's he's coming. We we just got to wait for it. Uh, But thanks so much for checking out the podcast this week. We've got Madison Bumgarner. We got to figure out what's going on there and some good names coming from the minor leagues in the very near future. Keep your eye on that as well. Well, for Cody Fincher, I'm Steve Zinsmeister. You've been listening to the Ain't No Fang podcast here at ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app. 